pushing. That's good. That's right. We're starting the episode off by peeing in glass. Oh, you, you hit record? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the Peeing in Glasses podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Basic snitches. Yeah. That's what we do. <clears throat> Trying to find another podcast where they do that. <laughs> I dare you. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. I'm <clears throat> sorry. I just like... Yeah, I'm good now. She just threw up <laughs> all over her couch. His new couch. Uh, yep, she just threw up all over her new couch. <laughs> We're recording from Tara's today. Hello. We just had sandwiches. We had sandwiches that were fine. Yeah, mine was pretty good. The soup was The soup was, the soup was so good. Pot belly, chicken pot pie soup? Yes. Sponsor chicken. us. Yeah, we delicious. Have some on the soup was good. And today we're going to discuss chapter number 17. 17 from uh, and then there were none. And then there were none. We're Agatha Christie for some? real now. The chapter is called Bethilda's Secret. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Um, What's it gonna be? <laughs> What's it gonna be? <laughs> Let's take a moment to acknowledge our Patreon members, and those folks are Ashley, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Nicole, and Olivia. That's right, we are down two, so I would like to remind all of our Patreon people that if you recently had a card renew, you need to update that on Patreon. Be sure to go in and do that, patreon.com slash basic snitches. Now, this episode is publishing in January of 2024, so you may have gotten this fixed by Ben. I'm editing this on December 3rd. And if you're not one of those folks, you can also sign up to become a patron. At one point, we had 12, and we're slowly dwindling. I mean, I sort of get it. We are approaching the end of the series, but that does not mean that there's not a wealth of content on our Patreon. Every week we post something exclusive for all patrons. You're also recognized in every single episode. And then on our $10 Quen tier, we also post monthly fishbowl episodes. We post a vlog between Tara and I every other week. And so much more. So please join us at patreon.com slash basic snitches. Chapter 16, who thinks I'm going to lose your What happened? The first time oh, Godric's yes. Hollow. They went to Godric's Hollow. <laughs> Ron might not be there, but he still loses. <laughs> in my opinion. And who do you think the winner is? And the winner is Christmas. Mm, the winner is Christmas. Is it really? <laughs> I, am, I am waiting to <laughs> She thought she was doing something clever, but no, Adam, I, Adam came in and figured it out. Well, I, I gave Christmas the win because of you. I was like, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I can't believe I guessed that correctly. And also, the chapter is really sad. Yeah, nothing really happened. Then no one really does anything. Let me put it that way. Yeah. The loser is Voldemort because they are at Godric's Hollow, and that's where everything oh. is fucking terrible for Voldemort. Guess who's gonna lose the next chapter too? <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler. <laughs> Speaking of the next chapter, here's the thing about uh, the next chapter. I wrote a thing and sent it to Adam. I did not proofread it. I never proofread mine, do. so... Never. Chapter 17, <clears throat> Bethilda's Secret. As they leave the graveyard, they begin to suspect that they are being watched. They put the invisibility cloak back on and start down the street to look for Bethilda's house. Suddenly, they see the ruins of the house that Harry once lived in with his parents, destroyed by Voldy's killing curse 16 years before. They stop to take in the site, reading the sign left at the gate, and the messages scrawled over it. While they are standing there, they again feel like they're being watched, even though they're wearing the cloak. Sure enough, a small figure is coming towards them, and once she is close enough, 
The two can see that it's an old lady and ask her if she is Bethilda. She indicates that she is and leads them away from Harry's first home. Bethilda's house is disgusting. And they follow her inside because they hope she is holding on to the sword of Gryffindor for Harry. If the fact that she is not actually speaking hardly at all isn't a bright red flag, the fact that she is not using magic to light candles, and then later insists that only Harry accompany her brother from the drawing room, a neon fucking red flight. But Harry separates from Hermione to follow Bethilda up the stairs, where we learn in a very weird way that he's definitely an ass man. Alright, we can move on to the next <laughs> segment now. Just kidding, we're not done. You're welcome. Uh, <clears throat> while he contemplates touching Bethilda's butt. Weird Harry. Red lights literally <laughs> flashing and actually screaming at him. Harry follows her into a small room where his scar suddenly hurts. Bethilda turns into a snake and everything goes fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, she turns into a snake and then everything turns out alright. <laughs> Knowing that Voldy is now on his way, Harry tries to protect himself from Minagini, and she follows her master's orders to hold Harry there for him. Hermione rushes into the room, and together they disappear away from the danger. Except Harry is suddenly in Voldy's head, watching himself go free while reliving that night that he majorly fucked up by trying to murder a child 16 years before. Next thing we know, Harry and Hermione are back in the tent. The good news is that they're alive. The bad news is that Harry's wand is broken. They And that he didn't get to touch the builder's <laughs> luscious <laughs> shitter. <laughs> They debrief from the disaster of that adventure, and Harry goes to keep watch while Hermione gets some rest. Why is Harry contemplating putting his hands on her ass? Excuse me? Apparently, they don't have hand rails. <laughs> gotta touch that ass. I was You know, I noticed that, but I don't even know if I made a note about it now that you say that. So thanks for bringing up Bethilda's butt. <laughs> I do what I can. Alright, so diving in, I would like to preface this, and I said this in our Patreons that we already recorded too, that I think I cut this out of the episode when we last had Peggy on, but she said to bring her back, which obviously she's not here, so sorry Peggy, but to bring her back to talk about the horrible woman in the seventh book and movie. And who she was referring to is Bethilda Bagshaw. So, get ready to hear a lot about a horrible woman. But first... We are still in Godric's Hollow, and like your thing said, we walked past the old house with the ruins in it. Which is sad, but also kind of lovely. Yeah. My first thought, because they even say it, like, why isn't it fixed? Why do you think it isn't fixed? You mean the house? Yes. I think that no one has really been out there, honestly, as far as people who would fix it. Dumbledore could maybe fix it, but he doesn't go back. I feel like it's just kind of like, we're not going to fix it. And I think that Hermione or Harry, whoever says it, are probably right that it probably can't just be magically put back together. Because of dark magic. Because of dark magic. And I also think that they probably don't know how to hide it again. Like, Dumbledore created that Fidelius charm. That hides the house. That hides the house. So now the person who broke the Fidelius charm, Peter Pettigrew, is nowhere to be found. And the person who created it is dead. Oh! I didn't think of that, I feel like but that's... all of them, and, like, obviously the people who are protected by it are dead. So, like, Harry's the only person connected to the Spadalius charm now, other than Peter Pettigrew, that's still around, and Harry doesn't even know about it. So somehow. you took a very scientific approach, and that's obviously <laughs> the reason. That's gotta be it. That's canon. Because 
My thought is, like, they even have, like, the plaque outside of it and everything. Because, obviously, like, that plaque shows up when somebody magical comes because it's a magical thing. Yeah. My thought was, like, when you go to any historical site, they almost preserved it. Like, this is a major part of wizarding history. It is. It is absolutely a major part of wizarding history. But it's also, it's in a weird place. Like, no one is in Godric Solo. Not anymore. I feel like uh, the way that we've learned about Godric Solo over all of this time is that it used to be, like, a thriving wizard community. You know, they talk about how Ignotus Peveril is buried there. Mm-hmm. You know, Bathilda Bagshot lived there. The Dumbledore's, the Dumbledore's lived there. There's a, an abbot who lived there. It's Godric's Hollow. But now it's clearly, like, a muggle town. The only other wizard you see is the corpse of Bathilda. Like, you don't actually... <laughs> and that's it. So you have to wonder, like, did the death of Lily and James, was that kind of, like, the beginning of the end for Godric's yeah. Hollow? I mean, I can the almost Dumbledores see... the Dumbledores were no longer there. That, well, that's what I was going to say. I could almost see the Dumbledores, them leaving. All the tragedy that happened there, that even be Because they, obviously, are a very prominent family. I wonder if it was his idea for them to go to Godric's Hollow because he once lived there and he knows that the only other wizard there is Bathilda. Maybe. And he wouldn't know that Bathilda... Well, it's like wintertime now. So Dumbledore has been dead for four six, months? Four five, or six m- months. Yeah. Like that. yeah. I mean, I suppose, because that's what we get into, is like, my thought is how long has Bathilda been dead? I have been wondering that too. Because... Clearly, I think she was when I mean, she was alive when Rita did the book. Rita did the book. Yeah, so she lived longer than Dumbledore. It's crazy, cause she's fucking older than Dumbledore. Yeah, so <laughs> she lives older than Dumbledore. It's very possible that she is senile because a she's that old, but also like we don't get to it for a minute. In fact, this is probably even in the next chapter when we actually see the book that Hermione steals from yes. the house. There's a note in there that says something like, you said everything even if you don't remember <clears throat> it. And I mean, of course, like, Rita is just a shysty bitch. I mean, it's very possible that she had dementia. She probably couldn't remember a lot of things yeah. anyways. Because I think it's also very clear that Nagini didn't kill Bathilda. No, I don't think Nagini killed Bathilda. I honestly think that if I'm going to really stop and try to figure out Bathilda's fate, I think that because she's the only wizard left in Godric's Hollow, I think that she probably died of old age and loneliness. Probably. I don't think she had anyone. You know, she probably was in kind of like a destitute state anyway when Rita came along and stole her memories and, and interrogated her about Dumbledore. And then, of course, Rita just left her. You know, there's no way Rita would be like, oh, someone should maybe go check on this old No, man. of course she would bitch. She would never think of that. Yeah, so I think that she was just kind of left. And she probably was weakened by Rita stealing her memories and interrogating her too. Like, you know, I mean, if she's lived this long, she's probably not, you know, completely pathetic. Maybe Rita stealing her memories and stuff made her weaker? It could be. I don't know, but she's, I mean... You definitely have thought a lot more about some of this. I didn't even think of that, that, like, Rita coming could have, like, weakened her or, like, that even, like, kind of measures, like, when her death would be. Because it definitely feels like she's been dead for a minute. She's been dead for a bit because I feel like if she had been killed by Nagini, her body wouldn't have crumbled like it does when Nagini comes out of her body. She would have crumpled to the ground, but, like, it literally describes her as crumbling. Yeah, and I mean, even, like, initial, (laughs) well... Let's get into it. Because, yeah, we're, sorry, we got because, real excited, well, friends. we did, and it's good to kind of talk about some of this overarching stuff because, oh, well, I guess there's one more thing before we actually see Bathilda, because obviously we see the house. The fact that the sign has all this graffiti on it, and it's all like, we believe in you, Harry, and Hermione's like, well, that's too bad. I'm like, 
Is it? I think it's kind of amazing. I love it. I love Especially it. Especially if it's more of like a muggle town now. Because that means people are coming people here to see this. Well, and I think you probably agree with this, that these are recent. Oh, like recent in the last few months? I think so. I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like... Some of them might be. Yeah, I don't know that maybe all of them are. Obviously, people who use their brains, so not Harry, because Harry didn't realize Godric Gryffindor, Godric's Hollow. But other people probably made the connection because they're not fucking idiots, and they also read Hogwarts history and a history of magic, unlike our good friend Harry Potter. So, like, they know... And they know the history of Godric's Hollow. They know that that's where Voldemort tried to kill Harry, and that's mm-hmm. where he survived the killing curse. And there's a lot of history there. But again, as much as we want to say that Harry is full of himself and an egotistical asshole, he's not. He literally does not even fucking Google himself. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> Which, they had Google back then. Listen, I watched a fucking... I watched a, uh, an interview with Jenny Radcliffe from Marilyn We Roll Along, and Jonathan Groff was like, do you Google yourself? And Jan was like, yes. That's Daniel Radcliffe, I love it. Harry Potter. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> like I feel like Harry wouldn't. That's yeah, just not the Harry right. we have. So, like, other people know this stuff, and Harry <laughs> doesn't. So there's, like, an extra layer of wonder floating around him, even though he's just, it's actually just him being a fucking idiot yeah, and I, doing his research. It's but other also, people did, and maybe they're trying to encourage him, because they're like, no one's seen Harry Potter, they have Potter Watch Radio going on, mm-hmm. like, there's stuff out there. Well, the, so there's a maybe. couple things. We also forget, I think, reading the series, we get it a lot in the first book. But otherwise, we kind of forget that he's famous, too, you know? Unless it's moments like this or, like, Lockshart or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Um, But the other thing is, one of the graffitis was something like, good luck, Harry, wherever you are, or something like that. And to me, I'm like, well, they could have done it maybe after Harry went to the Dursleys because he's kind of, like, in hiding now. Like, what happened to him? Right. But why would somebody do that, like, write that on the sign during that period... When Voldemort is still gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe, like, that one in particular... Like, I like the thought of some of them being more fresh. Because, like, why else, in during all this turmoil in the world, would people go to Godric's Hollow, I guess? But no matter what, like, if it was in the past or if it's recent, I just think it's really cool. It gives a little bit more realism to it, too. And um, I love Hermione being like, they should have done that. That's just so, so Hermione. It's so Hermione. I love when we get reminded of who she is. Yeah. You know, little things like that are probably good too because, I mean, in this book in particular, we're seeing potentially more flaws, in particular for Ron and Hermione. Because, I mean, like, Ron isn't there and Hermione constantly talking about, like, the control your thoughts and all of that. And everyone's stressed. So, of course, it's kind of good to see, like, a little detail about Hermione. There. Yeah. I love it. But then, the horrible woman arrives. Literally. The way that she is described cracks me the fuck up. Okay? So it talks about how she's a stout old bitch. Uh, She's obviously a witch because she came out into the cold to look at a ruin. She smells bad and she looks like shit and obviously it must be Bethilda. It's just really funny because it's like, this bitch a mess and obviously she a witch is basically what they say. Basically. I just think it's so funny. It's, like, almost too matter-of-fact, especially considering that we just had this really sad chapter, and even going to the house and stuff, they're just like, hey, look over here at this thing that just crawled out of who knows where. Right, like, oh, okay. You just feel the dread as this chapter progresses. She, like, hobbles over there, and then she fumbles with the keys, and there's, like, this feeling of anticipation around the chapter. Anticipation. Yeah, and, yeah, but it's definitely of dread, to me anyway. 
I don't like, necessarily I don't know. know if it started that way, but I can kind of see it getting to that point. Like, here's the thing. I make it out to be, like, super funny. Like, this cataract's hoe just wandering through the snow looking for a friend. She wears her carpet shoes like uh, She's um, wearing Crocs. She's wearing Crocs. Listen. <laughs> I think because the last chapter, even though it's so mellow, I feel like you're just anticipating something I, I here. Like, I mean, I guess I am anyway. I think it doesn't start that way for me because I was just like, the way that they describe this lady is so funny. But then the creepy part is that they're underneath the cloak and she can sense them. And I will say like a lot of this, especially when we get to the end of the chapter, it's very much like when they are leaving the Ministry of Magic and it's a frenzy. But here it is written in even a more confusing way. At this point, at the very least, you're like, okay, there's something weird with this woman. Is she like... A seer or something? Can she also sense that there are people here? What is it? Is it the fucking footsteps in the snow? Whatever. Especially if you're thinking, oh, this is just some normal lady. So she kind of comes up and she can sense them. And I think they're still under the cloak. They are. Something even says something. Harry had the strangest feeling that she knew they were there and also who they were. Just as he had reached this uneasy conclusion, she raised a gloved hand and beckoned. Yes. Okay. So will you talk about red flags and red lights and everything? This is the first one. Yeah. The fact that she beckons them. How would she ever do that? Especially if she's got those cataracts and stuff. And then, of course, the fact that she isn't talking. So at that point, it's like, okay, there's something off here. But even I think when reading this for the first time, I must have been like, well, they're in Godric's Hollow. It's Christmas Eve. We know who Bethilda Bagshot is. She's an old woman. It is what it is. I think that's probably where I was at first. But then when you get to the the house, Mm -hmm. in some ways, it makes me feel like when you are visiting someone at the nursing home and you're trying to communicate with them and they are just not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is kind of a sad way to look at it, especially when she's, like, lighting the candles and they're like, oh, she's not using magic. Again, I mean, technically, not that it's canon or anything, but in Crystal Child, they go to the magical nursing home. Yes, they do. I was about to say the haunted nursing home. The haunted nursing home. (laughs) That's every nursing home. It makes me think, like... Cursed Child, whatever, like, yeah, it's old people doing magic and stuff. But to your point, like, about Rita, perhaps, like, in your old age, like, you might lose some of those abilities. I mean, like, that's what happens to everybody. But you lose abilities when you get older and you're approaching, you know, the end of life. To me, a biggest red flag is, like, the house is disgusting. 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 Like, I feel like they say hoarder a couple times. To me, it's, like, worse than that. It's what it yeah. sounds like and what we see in the movie. It's, like, derelict. Let's see. Bethilda was tottering around the place lighting candles, but it was still very dark, not to mention extremely dirty. Thick dust crunched beneath their feet. Crunched. Dust. That's crunched. a good word for that. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's nose detected underneath the dank and mildewed smell something worse, like meat gone bad. He wondered what the last time anyone had been inside Bethilda's house to check whether she was coping. That dust be crunchy? Yeah. Like you can pick it up and put it in and it's got that nice crispy feeling. I mean, no thanks, but yes, I know what you're saying. That means like when Rita came to visit her, it was like this too, when she was alive. And I'm sorry, but I can picture Rita coming into this house and being like, oh wow, what a lovely place you have. And then taking out her fucking thing and she, Bethilda's basically muttering. Well, yeah. I can picture it. Like I can really, really picture Rita coming and like taking advantage of this old woman. It also, this is another description of her and the house. The odor of old age, of dust, of unwashed clothes and stale food intensified as she unwound a moth-eaten 
black shawl revealing a head of scant white hair. You said the smell of old age. That is a good descriptor. Yeah. Because I feel like everyone knows what that is. Yeah. And then later on when they go upstairs, there's more disgusting description. Yeah. So I want to back up. That's not the description I'm talking about when I'm like, (laughs) she's just getting so funny. The smell of old age. Yeah. What a knee slapper. When we first meet her, it's just, it's in a way that is just so like out of the blue and almost silly. And so to kind of go back to your original point of like this feeling of dread, I think is the word you use. Even the way that they're describing her, it is crescendoing up to like something. So here's what it says earlier. She smelled bad or perhaps it was her house. Now that he was beside her, he realized how tiny she was. Bowed down with age, she came barely level with his chest. She closed the door behind them, her knuckles blue and mottled against the peeling paint and turned and peered into Harry's face. Her eyes were thick with cataracts and sunken into folds of transparent skin and her whole face was dotted with broken veins and liver spots. He wondered whether she could make him out at all and even if she could, it was the balding muggle whose identity I go, oh, yeah, I'm talking about that. And that's the odor of old age. Doesn't yeah. That. So, yeah, it's like how she's, like, described yeah. like, her, the age spots and the eyes and stuff. Yeah. When I'm reading this, too, what I wrote down is how the fuck that snake operated in this old woman purpose. Because I even write down, she even says, come, and I'm like, I'd rather not, thanks. But For real, though, <laughs> I'd rather not. Whether it's the normal way or the dirty way. <laughs> I don't want to. So, like, I was like, how the hell is the snake getting her to talk? Now, we know that's parcel tongue. They do cover that later. But at the same time, like, and I even said it when we were watching the movie, I'm like, that snake is not used to having opposable thumbs and motor skills. True. How the fuck the snake doing it? Magic, I guess. How else are we supposed to, like, figure that out, you know? Before they go upstairs... They do see what I lovingly called the Slughorn Altar. The Slughorn Altar, (laughs) which is literally just Grindelwald. Grindelwald. It's literally just Grindelwald. But, like, in my mind, for some reason, maybe it's because I was reading a Harry Potter book, I was like, this bitch got a Slughorn Altar as well. (laughs) And who is there? Grindelwald! What the fuck? You know, Slughorn Slughorn would totally have Grindelwald on his wall. 100. If If he had gone to Hogwarts... Slughorn would be like, yeah, this guy's my dude. Well, and like, I'm but thinking... Grindelwald's older than Slughorn, but still. <laughs> yeah. But Bathilda and Grindelwald, like, I would never have seen this. I do not remember this connection or anything. But it makes sense, and I'm glad that it's here to kind of continue things. Well, to connect yeah. Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And we'll get into it in the next chapter, because it really, right here, it's just that we see the picture. He takes it, and then the horrible woman is beckoning him upstairs. And And at this point, she still has not said anything. Yes. It's important to note, because because Hermione would hear parcel talk. Yes. And, because, like, literally, they get stares, and then she says, come. When it's, like, Hermione is approaching, she even, like steps back and, like, it's, like, vehemently shaking her Yeah, the head. fact that she will not let Hermione be a part of it is, like, fucking run. Yeah. Get the fuck that, out of that there. That right there should be... Like, no. Absolutely and, not. And we get some of that inner monologue of, well, maybe Dumbledore instructed her that it should only be Harry, or whatever the case is. Like, they're trying to, like, logically, like, walk yeah, through it. Yeah, trying to justify it all. But, but as we yeah. learned... Hermione is a logical person. Hermione is a logical person. She's right. That's when Harry touches the butt, and that's when the book ends. So, (laughs) end of season seven. Next time, we'll talk about what you can expect next season. No. 
Yeah, so Harry goes upstairs with Mathilda. And says, then he touches and then he just, this is This is the line. The stairs were steep and narrow. Harry was half tempted to place his hands on Stout Mathilda's backside. Stout Mathilda! To ensure that she did not topple over backward on top of him. Okay, remember when we did that fishbowl of, like, what to name your cats? Stout Mathilda. Stout <laughs> That's what you name a chong. Stout, you know oh, what? Oh, Lord, she coming. <laughs> it's Stout Bethilda. <laughs> I know that I have a good drag name in Bethlehem China Shop, but I would change it to Stout Bethilda. Stout Bethilda. <laughs> I think it suits me, actually. I love it. So I have a question about Harry and Parcel Tom. <laughs> and I thought you were going to be like, and his attraction and to Bethilda's butt. And his attraction to Bethilda's butt. <laughs> I think that it's actually kind of been established before, but it's an interesting thing, and I think it is actually a reflection of the fact that Harry's not a true Parcel Tongue, and the Parcel Tongue is in the Horcrux that's inside of him, is that he doesn't recognize that he's speaking. Yeah, He yeah, doesn't yeah, recognize yeah. that he's hearing Parcel Tongue or speaking it. He recognizes... Just the conversation. Yeah. Because if he were recognizing it would be, I, I think even fucking Harry would be like, I gotta fucking go. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm wretched that you bring that up in particular because the other Horcruxes, it's like the gathering of the Horcruxes. Oh, they haven't been allowed together for so there's long. A, there's a big chunk of Voldy's soul right oh, here. Seriously, there's more Voldemort right here than there is in Voldemort. There is. So we got Harry, we got Nagini, and we got the Locket. And the Locket's a pretty big chunk of it. The Locket's a really the, big the chunk. Ch- the a quarter of like it? A quarter of it, I think, yeah. should be said. He even says, like, oh, can it realize that the thing that will destroy oh, it is yeah. close? It's like... No, no, sweetie. It's recognizing that birds of a feather are flocking together right. right now. Which is creepy. But, I mean, it's an interesting thing to think. It's just, no, you were as wrong as you could potentially be. <laughs> Poor Harry. Which is crazy to think about. That there's more there than in actual Voldemort. Once they get upstairs, all I remember is it becomes very fast-paced <clears throat> and very confusing. So, when they go upstairs... Nagini pops out of right. the old lady's head... <laughs> So they go upstairs, and he asks her, have you got anything for me? And she... Especially after running to touch the butt. Especially after... The question like, that he's letting been me touch the butt. to ask. We get this, like, back and forth kind of weird thing where Harry and Voldemort are clearly connected here. And yes. it says, uh, she closed her eyes and several things happened at once. Harry's scar prickled painfully. The horcrux twitched so that the front of his sweater actually moved. The dark, fetid room dissolved momentarily. He felt a leap of joy and spoke in a high, cold voice. Hold him. So this is the first, like, Harry recognizes it. And then he's like, he sways where he stands. He asks her again, probably disoriented. And then she points to a corner and he doesn't run. Yep. Can I be in your glass? Yes. Oh, you almost dropped your glass in excitement. (laughs) She saw my weenie and she got really excited. <laughs> Whoa! No is, one believes no. that. <laughs> I'm gonna take that part back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't even believe that, and I said it. Then he doesn't want to look away from her, but he like goes to the dressing table she points at. He like glances just to look for the ruby sword. or the sword yeah. and whatever, and that's when it all happens. In the instant that he looked away, his eyes raking the tangled mess for a sword hilt. A ruby. She moved weirdly. He saw it out of the corner of his eye. Panic made him turn and horror paralyzed him as he saw the old body collapsing and the great snake pouring from the place where her neck had been. Ugh! I know! The way that that is written. <laughs> and like, when we get to the movie, I'll talk about, I think the movie actually does it in a pretty good way. Oh yeah. All things considered. Creepy as fuck. It's still creepy as fuck, but they don't show like the head of an old corpse falling off of the body and a snake coming out of it. So I'm very grateful for that. That, I think that was a good move on their part. 
And yeah, it becomes this battle thing. You know... It is, yeah, it's real quick. When you were talking about what Harry was feeling internally, the Horcrux technically saved him in this moment. The Horcrux is in him. Because otherwise... He wouldn't know Voldy was coming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, it's pretty interesting some of these things that we have kind of like unearthed here. When you're just looking at the page, you know, considering all the details... This actually adds a lot of robustness to the scene. Clearly a lot of action happening because that's what makes Hermione, like, shout for him. Yes. And he can't shout back for her because he, like, had the breath knocked out of him. Yeah. So then he has this conversation with Nagini in his head, too. The hold you and all of that and Harry, like, literally He's like, I love you so much. Let me give you a nice hug. He's like, and I'll Nagini's even like I'm just doing my job. And I'll even give you a kiss. <laughs> No, no, no. No, no, no. No more justice for Snake. No. <laughs> not this Snake. Not this that Snake. That Snake justice. That Snake. <laughs> and so Hermione comes up. Literally to the fucking rescue and he screams at her that Voldy is coming. Yeah. And it literally, it says he grabs the dark shape he knew to be Hermione. Like, they literally are being attacked by this snake. Hermione screams Confringo. The spell goes around the room. Everything breaks. And then. It's a fire spell. Yeah, and then they, like, jump out the window. Mm-hmm. They twist in midair, which obviously means that they're disapparating. And then it does this flashback. Because um, then Voldemort gets there, like, too late. And then it's Like, a whole, second too late. Yeah, and then it's this whole flashback of Voldemort going back to Halloween in 1981. Literally walking through, he kills James. Yeah, so, Cursed Child spoiler... That's basically what Harry watches in Cursed Child. In the canon series, if we want to argue about Cursed Child's canon-ness. Like... Canonacy? Canonacy. This is... Yes. Good word. I invented it. You're welcome. Very nice. But this is Harry also witnessing that, which is horrifying. Seriously. This is horrifying. When I was reading this part, I was like, ah, here we are. We're seeing it. We open up the clothes. Yeah. Where he actually gets to witness this. It's awful. awful. It really, really is. Even when you're reading this... Like, unless you're, like, taking some time to break it down. And this is another one of those scenes, just like Ministry of Magic, it's very hard to, like, slow down and read mm-hmm. this. The way that Cold Bowl of Soup just really <laughs> writes some of these really high-stakes scenes in, it's, like, it is very hard to, like, it slow is. down. Like, especially if you're immersed in it, you know? So it's almost confusing, and, like, obviously I think you did a good job of breaking it down. In both your thing and then when you kind of recapped it right here. Because then at the end of the chapter, we come out of this scene of him kind of waking up out of a dream. And I think it's really important to note that really is like all these pieces of Voldemort's soul communicating with one another to kind of create this really strange out-of-body experience (laughs) for Harry. I mean, I think it is the necessary way to get into this part, you know, to continue with all of the hinting at the Horcrux. You have to read those types of chapters several times to really follow what's happening. Absolutely. So, and as someone who, like, bought the book the minute it came out and, like, read it immediately, you know a lot of us were consuming this so quickly yeah. that we were confused and we were, like, overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. The first time you I mean, read this. I was overwhelmed reading it now. Right. And the only reason that I can do it is because I've read it so many times. Yeah. That I can go through it once and not have to worry about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's wild. We talked about how Voldemort, like, literally considered murdering a child who was trick-or-treating in fucking Godric's Hollow. Oh, yeah. 
Seriously. Just oh, that guy. Just one flick of the wrist and he will never like, see oh, his... Like, this, come this child on. complimented you. He literally, yeah, he was like, you look fucking good, guy. And I'm sorry, but you're walking around in Halloween looking like that. Bitch, you better expect like, people. Have you, you know better. Like, you fucking know how muggles work. You were raised in a muggle orphanage. Yeah. And I'm okay, sorry. you didn't dress like a muggle. This is your fucking fault. It doesn't not matter what type of fascist regime you have living around in your head. You need to also realize, like, the, the world is not yours, you know? It kind of shows that disconnectedness and the sort of tone-deaf thing that we see a lot of CEOs and politicians exhibiting these days. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder what will happen. I think all of their horcruxes are being destroyed. <laughs> so when we get out of this... It really does feel like waking up from a nightmare, you know? It does. Like, the smell and the wounds that he endured. Like, he says something about, like, when he wakes up, the smell of, I don't know if it was, like, the lingering smell of the horrible woman. The lingering smell of the horrible woman. I'm going to write that book. It's going to be a murder (laughs) mystery. Or was it just the smell of nature? Because they're back in the forest. It might be. There was something very specific that, like, tied it back. Yeah, it said he was in the tent lying in one of the lower bunks beneath a heap of blankets. You could tell that it was almost dawn by the stillness and quality of the cold. Flat light beyond the canvas ceiling. He was drenched in sweat. He could feel it on the sheets and blankets. Can we just take a second to, like, really, really, really fucking appreciate Hermione? 100%. One, not even, like, to talk about how she handles it all but what that would have been like for her like how traumatic that was like some time has passed she says you've been ill how long ago did we leave hours ago it's been it's nearly morning and i've been what unconscious not exactly you've been shouting and moaning and things what was harry doing and like how was that perceived by her mind right how horrifying right because they're all they have each other in the world and like now harry is literally like Behaving like he's possessed, like he's very ill. Will he come out of this? We almost got eaten by a fucking snake. Yeah. Voldemort was almost right there. Like, how alone and scared is she in this moment? Yeah. Until Harry, like, comes to it. No wonder she looks, I mean, he's like, you look terrible. And I'm like, no wonder she looks terrible. One of, I mean, one, she was caring for Hey, him she doesn't look like but the horrible the, woman. Right? She's, she saved them, but also, like. She looks like, like a lovely woman. She's, I'm She's just, I like, but I was like, she has nice skin. She has nice skin. Ask Ron. I think that was a Patreon thing, but leave it in. (laughs) Ask Ron. (laughs) This is low key some of Hermione's best stuff in the face of what is happening. I really wanted to give her the benefit of the fact that she endured so much in the last several hours. Yeah. Even if it was just seeing your friend be literally tormented in his own misery and memories and whatever he's experiencing and not being able to do anything. Yeah. All of that is great. I do think that, like I said previously, the Horcrux in Harry's head saved him. And it's also the reason for all this occlumency, blah, 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 blah. Right. So I almost feel like in this moment, and we have yet to see, who knows, like I think I said in a previous episode, I thought after Harry called her out about <laughs> it, it back in God, not Godric Solo, in Grimmauld Place, Place. Those are two other G names. Godric, Grimmauld. Harry can only live where Place is being with a G. Yeah. Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Hog. There's just a G in there. He lives in Gryffindor Tower at Hogwarts. Oh, there you go. There Perfect. it is. Jing. <laughs> yeah, there's a G in there. See? It's fine. He couldn't live in Brooklyn, Ohio. No. He couldn't live in Parma, Ohio. No. 
Sorry, Harry. He would wither. It'll be interesting to see how Hermione reacts from this. Because you could almost see her be like, yo, like, I had to watch you do this. And I could be making shit up. I, this might not even be mentioned for the rest of the book. The whole occlumency thing and controlling your thoughts. It bears repeating that this ability that Harry has did save your asses. I don't think she brings it up again in the respect that she has earlier. When she's like, you're supposed to close your mind. It does get brought up again, and he does use it, and she, I think, encourages him to use it toward the end of the book. I'm going to do a find, fucking backflip when that happens. Right? When they're trying to find Voldy and Don't find out where the fuck he is. Don't count on it, but uh, I'm going to do a backflip. I'll film it. <laughs> it. It'll be me, like, falling and breaking my arm. <laughs> Look out for that on Patreon, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think she doesn't bring it up again like this. And I probably Good. because of this. And, like, also, at this point, she's got to be, like, okay, if he had control over this, like, he would never want it to get to this point. Yeah. You know? Because he's clearly suffering. Comparatively, she's also suffering by seeing this and experiencing Yeah. Oh, totally. And then to add insult to injuries, one breaks. Um, Before we recorded, I was like, Tara, I need you to tell me what happens next. But... Not for the listeners. Yes. Host like, your own podcast. They're, like, do they're it. like, I guess we'll just read the next chapter. Or listen to the next episode. <laughs> listen to the next episode. Or so, the next few episodes. It's true. So I I just want to say one real quick thing yep. about how horrible Hermione feels about the wand and how Harry's instinctually like he doesn't want to be mad at her, but like again, it's just like this shit just falling on him, you know? It's another thing that just makes them very real. Like it makes Harry such a relatable character when he's instinctually like upset with her because he doesn't want to be mad at her. He knows she's the reason they fucking survived. He knows this, but like he doesn't have his wand. You know, it's like that very relatable thing where you're like, yeah, Harry, don't be mad at Hermione. And he's trying not to be, and he knows that he can't be, but that's his instinctual reaction right now. You described it so well. I actually have this as a note for the next chapter because it obviously comes up with both. It doesn't feel... Through the text, like he's angry because no. we, we've seen his emo- no. both of their emotions get to that level. But I think you're right. I think it's just like, well, guys, this is a shitty situation yeah. that we're in. This is the reality of it. This is what I what has to happen. And I actually feel like Hermione is almost scared of Harry. In she a way. is. I think she is because they are desperate. What is next for them? Well, also, she just saw Harry go through whatever the felt he just went through. So, like, that's probably something that... Did you see whatever the fell? Well, yeah, I did. I meant to you say You combined that. fucking hell? I did. I did fucking hell. Or you could have said, huh? Fuck. Uh, but the last line of this chapter is... Um, Always. Is him saying, no, fuck that. <laughs> Hermione handed over her wand, and he left her sitting beside his bed, desiring nothing more than to get away from her. So, like, it's clear that he yeah. wants to, like... He needs to cool down. It's, it's one of those things like, I need to not be with you because I don't want to yeah. say something I'll regret. And I'm sorry. Like, the fact that he takes the Horcrux and everything, it's honestly kind of a mature move. Especially after seeing what happened with Ron and everything. Maybe he's in the next yeah. chapter. Yeah, he takes everything in the next chapter. At some point. But regardless, like, I kind of like how Cold Bull Soup did kind of, like, finish this off. Because there is that feeling of anger, but it's also, like, he just accepts it. Which is why Harry will always be... A character that I'm going to sympathize with because yeah. he's continually relatable. Well, I hope that we are relating to each other in some way because it's time to play a game. Oh, and it's a game that we haven't played in a long time. Oh no. And that is one word at I a time. Fucking knew- you knew it? You started, well, you started to say that and I was like, one word at a time, we're going to describe 
what the horrible woman looks like oh because I thought it was funny when I read it the first time. <laughs> All right. Ready? Okay, sure. Right. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. The horrible woman looked moldy. And really? I know what I want to say. I just can't think of a word. I was trying to give you a space to use an adjective. Or something. You took all my adjectives, remember? Oh, I did. I stole all your adjectives. I have no more adjectives left, which is why I'm having so, so much <laughs> difficulty with this. Gross. Uh, the horrible woman looked moldy and really gross. Thank you. I was, I was like, I lost where you were. She, we're only seven words in. I know. She <laughs> smelled rank. Just like cold bowl of soup. Her backside. <laughs> though. Harry. Lost it. So plump. Is that what you were yeah. going for? <laughs> plump. And juicy. <laughs> Just like James and the giant peach. <laughs> juicy. And plump. <laughs> Cataracts are shitty. But it doesn't matter because she's dead. <laughs> yes! This is the first time we've done this where we're like, we got it. I don't know what we're saying. <laughs> One more sentence and then okay. let's finish this off. Whose turn is it? I said dead. That is why Nagini looked at her and said, yum. <laughs> we won that game. <laughs> Well, let's see. Did the movie succeed as much as we did at that game? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty close, actually. I think so, too. She's terrifying. She is. She's fucking terrifying. Uh, somehow, though. She's the horrible woman. She's the horrible woman, horrible woman. I do still think that she's described even scarier in the book, once we get to the house especially. Mm -hmm. But they do a good job. They show Grindelwald on her little altar, yeah. which is literally just a picture of her nephew. Spoiler alert <laughs> for the next episode. It's like the only thing in the house that doesn't look disgusting. She took care of that picture. She's like, this is my great nephew. The most evil wizard other the than the wizard. cocaine baby. <laughs> but it's okay because he's gay. And then she they, has a nursery. She has a, the nursery was weird. So Nagini attacks Harry and they like throws him through the wall. The nursery is very bright. It's very bright, yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Is that where Grindelwald stayed when he came over? He's, he stayed yes. in the little nursery and he was like, this is bullshit. Even when he was an adult. Yeah, he, he was like, why are the walls? Crib? Why are the walls pastel? I am an evil wizard. I'm a budding. Evil Actually, wizard. what if that's what he requested? Right. <laughs> He's just like, I'm just a little baby. I'm <laughs> just a little baby. I use a little sleepy time in my little crib. <laughs> and that's also where he and Dumbledore did luscious things. Luscious to things? Each other. Jesus. <laughs> the funny thing is, is when you play the Lego Harry Potter games and you're fighting Nagini, there is a scene in that nursery. So the Lego Harry Potter games follow the it movie. Just, it doesn't fit. The feel of the rest of the Not house. Not at all. It's just like, what was that about? I don't know. You know, it almost makes me wonder if it was the director oh. being like, well, we're not going to do that flashback 100%, so let's just show a nursery and maybe people will be fine with it. Right? Oh, okay. The flashback is fine. Mm. They show a little bit of it. Oh, and then I already kind of mentioned it, but when <laughs> Nagini pops out of Bathilda. <laughs> right? 
It's almost like you can kind of see that her expression becomes almost more, like, vacant, and her face color starts to almost change a little well, bit. Well, and then, like, her mouth, like, opens up, and you're like, oh, it's But disgusting. then they cut away, and then she's just, like, a pile snake. of laundry. Yeah, she a pile of laundry, and there's snake. <laughs> yes. And I will tell you that, for whatever reason, this time watching it, I was like, Nagini does not look nearly as big as I... Me too! Me. I was like, why is she so small? I thought that same thing, but... As we all learned, Bathilda, the horrible woman, got a big old dump truck. <laughs> and that's a lot for a little skinny snake today. Little snake trying to fill it out. It's a suitable house for a little skinny snake. Ooh, get that little skinny snake in that big old dump truck ass. How are your points going? I'm going to give Hermione 20 points for taking care of Harry and everything. I'm also going to give Harry 15 points. <laughs> So 15 points to Harry, too. I think Hermione really is, like, the champion here for, like, saving his ass and taking care of him and all of that. This isn't fun for Harry, either. So let's throw him some points. I'm taking negative 15 from Nagini and Voldemort. Mm -hmm. Because even though they have really good communication, it's like cold bowls of soup flock together, as they say. And then finally, I'm going to give plus five to the horrible woman. Because... She is a corpse that is possessed by a snake. You know, and that kind of sucks. I bet she'd never want it to become that, and it sucks that she has to live with it. Well, I guess she doesn't really have to live with it, does she? Next time... We're going to read... Chapter... 18. The life and love. No, no, I thought we were doing one word. Oh, I know. We were were so so funny. Let's try that again, because we were actually doing it. So, which... Is called the life and lies of Albus Dumbledore. I should have maybe changed up the end there. The life and lies of Old Bowl of Soup. (laughs) (laughs) Old Archie. Old Archie. Where's Old Archie where you need him? Bring him back. He probably went on vacation to Aruba or some shit. He was like, fuck this wizarding war. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I hope you don't get possessed by a snake. I hope not. That would be bad. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!